Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. All the people who were praying for, ah, we'd love a supper in. Love a supper in. I hope you're happy now. I hope you're being happy now. Hasn't stopped since you... However, looks like the weather's going to improve dramatically. One more time. Uh, We're not getting the hot stuff back, but we'll have some lovely autumnal weather uh, back end of this week and into next weekend. Sunshine and daytime temperatures in the high teens, maybe even up as far as 20 degrees. So this is kind of the last of the muck for a little while, which is good to see. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96 the number of the text or whatsapp is 083 396 96 96 email is opinion at 96fm.ie Tom was on from Blackpool said there's an ambulance stuck in Gerald Griffin Street for the last 20 minutes traffic is three abreast down there it's at the very end of Gerald Griffin Street where it goes up towards O'Connell Street and the North Cathedral it's a disgrace that no one ever sorts out the floor traffic in that area well you know yourself if there's an ambulance behind you uh, particularly if it's blue lighting but if there's an ambulance behind you you are obliged to try to let it go through if you can at all but if you can't then what can you do I hope that gets sorted 0818 96 96 96 now over the weekend that Aer Lingus story from Dublin airport it seems to have been caused by some kind of a major computer glitch uh, a cloud computing glitch that the cloud where they do all their bits and pieces and business just went down and they end up cancelling flight after flight after flight and people were left stranded all over the place Dunica, you are, you are still in Turkey I think, good morning I am PJ, I'm still here now in fairness the weather is nice uh, but uh, 
the stress is kind of high. <laughs> I imagine. Take me through the events of the weekend, sir. Okay, well, as we, we as you know, the Wi-Fi isn't isn't top class here, so um, we were we were on the beach getting ready to head away home. Had a car arriving here at quarter to eight on Saturday evening to take us to Ismail Airport, which is about an hour away. Um, about a half an hour beforehand, uh, the car arrived. My daughter texted me to say there's a problem. Um, it looks like your flight is cancelled. So we, we we were just dumbfounded. We thought it was a bit of a skit. So we anyway we checked out some more, some more, some more, and uh, yeah, there was our flight number anyway. Ismail Dublin cancelled with Aer Lingus, and an apology from Aer Lingus saying we're sorry for any inconvenience. So. I, I had a heart condition and I had a heart surgery a couple of years ago. So we knew the flight was cancelled and, and they had been saying on their site, don't go to the airport. Now, mm. we didn't go to Ismail Airport because I didn't want the stress and I didn't want the hassle. So we stayed here, cancelled the car that cost us 55 euro, 60 euro to take us to the airport. And uh, then uh, rang Aer Lingus on Raid's phone, spent an hour and a half trying to get through to Aer Lingus. Then another hour and a half trying to get through to Aer Lingus, nothing. Eventually, our hotel was up, of course, PJ, because we, we, our, our holiday was finished. We you had to order the hotel. Right? Yeah, we were checked out and everything. Our bags are gone. And uh, so eventually, anyway, they found us a hotel down the road, which the uh, uh, less said, the sooner mended about that now. But anyway, we were very lucky they were able to put us back into this hotel again where we were on Sunday, which was a comfort to us because, you know, we were in familiar land. We, we kind of... We knew where we were. We weren't wandering around trying to find places, um, which is all now our, of our own expense, by the way. Everything is our own expense. So my my daughter was online. She did everything from home. She spent hours and hours and hours on the phone, couldn't get through to Aer Lingus. We made contact with somebody who we know, which will stay nameless, who works for Aer Lingus, and they said to us, listen, forget it. Aer Lingus are not answering their calls from what we know. They're not answering their uh-huh. calls. They can't. They don't have enough staff to handle it. Now, it was a huge issue, like PJ. I mean, I understand that. 10,000 people kind of stranded all over. So I, I understand. But what really gets me is, well, here we are. And our airline, our national airline, mm. has done absolutely nothing to make us feel okay. You're okay. We will get you home. Um, look, we're trying. We're trying to put on extra flights and... So we know they're not going to do that now at this stage. So we booked the flight, cost us €895 Euro, um, on Wednesday morning to Dublin. And I have a friend who's over in, 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 in Ismail at the moment. Mm. He's in the same situation. Um, he's booking, trying to book flights, but they're all full. Yeah. So like the flight from Bodrum with Ryanair, full, full. Our next flight that we could get with Aer Lingus, and I bet you if I went on now, it's gone, would be next Saturday. Oh, crikey. Now, okay. Yeah, now, like, Peter, I'm on medication after my heart surgery, so I was lucky I brought an extra week's medication with me. If I didn't, it's the stress, you know, it's the stress of it. Of Will I get the right tablets here? Will I have to get on to Ireland? But, you know, you, you kind of make allowances for that in the sense what you don't make allowances for is why don't they contact us? Why don't they let us know what they're trying to do to get us home? Or are they supposed to get us home? I, I'm just lost. Well, they are obliged to get you home, or at least if you have to get your own way home, they're obliged to reimburse you for every cent you spend. So at least that's a positive. But but the communication seems to have been appalling. Appalling. Now, I, I've been on Twitter. 
I've become very good on Twitter, PJ, mm-hmm. for a 65-year-old who never knew much about it. And I've been tweeting, and I've, my, have, my tweets have been retweeted. And I'm watching, and I'm looking at everybody all over, Lanzarote, different parts of, of Europe, and they're all in the same boat. So I feel very, very sorry for them because they're in a worse position probably than we are. Mm. We're retired, if you know what I mean. But I, I, was, yeah, I saw a guy tweeting that he got a message that his, we'll say now, 8 a.m. flight from Lanzarote had been put back to 8 p.m. And it was only when he read the small print, it was 8 p.m. the following Friday. Oh, my God. Like, which is fine if you've money and timed in your hands, but supposing you've arranged to come back to work on Monday. Uh, yeah, are, are self-employed and you have, you have yeah. work you need to get done and your stuff. Well, we were speaking to people because they thought it was a vision. Uh, they thought they'd seen things when they saw us coming back in here on Sunday, the people that were in the hotel. And, you know, you make you know, holiday friends and that. And they were looking at us and they said, a couple of them said to us, what, what would happen on a case if you didn't have the money on your oh, credit card excellent. to pay up front for the hotel and the, the 1,300 euro, 1,500 euro it will cost us. What happens if you don't have that? Excellent point. Excellent. What does happen, you know? We, 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 we have to go ring in our relations and our family and our children. Can you send over money to us? It's terrible. Like, it's our national airline. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think you've racked up a hell of a phone bill. Massive. I've just got three texts, PJ, from Air, because I'm with Vodafone on my phone, and in fairness to Vodafone... Yeah, you pay four ninety nine a day, but Marais one, we didn't realise the roaming Turkey is not classes in the EU. Yeah. So she's been using her phone and I just got three texts to say you're running an unusually high bill. Um, we're worried that you won't be able to pay it. So it looks like we might uh, have to cancel uh, or cut cut you off. Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, know, I, know, I know, I know, you know what, Donica. I guess you're you're probably in the lucky position that you can kind of half laugh about it. But would you, would you have to think as well? Is Maureen trust? Is, is that? Is do I understand? Is your daughter living over there? No, 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 no. Maureen's my wife. She's saying my daughter's in Ireland. My daughter's in Ireland, and oh, she's the one who all the time trying to contact because of the data roaming. Because we we knew like this it was oh, popping up fifty euros a pop, like. <laughs> Good lord. So, so, did someone you know go to the airport as well to check things out? Yeah, well, yeah, because I, I had met him. I had met a couple on the flight over from Dublin, and we were all, all work colleagues. And anyway, he he went. They were put up in a four star hotel after bedlam in the in, in the airport. Um, absolute bedlam. There was a hundred and five of them put into a four four star hotel, and then they they were wandering around the hotel on Sunday afraid to go out, afraid to go anywhere for fear that airlines might say, look, we have a flight for you, we now need to transfer you back to the airport, which does happen sometimes. That hasn't happened. Now, they've had to rebook themselves, and they still don't know, airlines haven't told them, if that hotel is going to be paid for by airlines or <laughs> by themselves. And the flight that you've got now Wednesday, do you mind me asking who that's with? It's with Sun Express, Sun Express a Turkish airline. Okay. Um, di- direct to Dublin, now, I could have gone um, on Wednesday to Geneva and from Geneva to Amsterdam and Amsterdam to London and whatever home, and I would have to take out another mortgage. But the thing is, this was uh, straight to Dublin, €895.82. Um, that's what it's costing, and it's costing us €110 Euro per night in the hotel. 
well, at least you will get it all back. Have, I mean, your holiday, I, I take it you had a, a holiday insurance. Have you been in touch with your insurers? I can't. I can't contact them um, by email. All their emails are bouncing back for some reason. And I don't want one that roaming trying to ring a 1 800 number <laughs> because it probably costs them 200 euro to ring them to ask them. I know. Yeah. But, but I reckon we have a worldwide insurance po- travel insurance policy. But, you know, when you come on a holiday and you come for a break, and he, 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 again, it's been fabulous. And I understand IT issues where I worked recently. Um, had a had a major IT issue as well. I understand it can happen, and I understand all that. And I, I, my sympathies go to Erlings. What I will never sympathise with Erlings about is their complete and utter lack of communication to their customers, yeah. um, to their actually lying, downright lying. I don't care if this is. It can be taken careful of using that word. I'd prefer if you didn't, but go on anyway. I mean, I Misinformation, I shall word, we say? I want that word, but let's say not giving us the correct information. So sorry, I take that back. They're not lying. They're not giving us the correct like information. Any information more than rather than another correct information. Yeah, no, that seems to be it's part of the course with airlines. Whenever something goes wrong, they don't tell people at the other end anything. I think it's because they don't want to be committing to it and they won't be sued afterwards. Donica, at least you're there and you're safe and you've got a flight booked on Wednesday and you know you're legally entitled to get everything back. So, yeah. but like you say, you, the communication has been appalling. Uh, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been below. <laughs> there isn't a word really to describe it. Like, it's, it's terrible, you know. You'll be embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by it, you know. I'm embarrassed. When people say to me, Aer Lingus, really? Aer Lingus, you're Irish, you're Irish, you're right. Like, in other words, it's not it's just a charter flight from some crowd. It's, this is Aer Lingus. Yes, I know what you mean. And, and people, people are used to hearing us bitching about Ryanair, but at the end of the day, actually, Ryanair seemed to be uh, doing a tighter operation at times like this. Donica, thank you and safe home when it does come. Now, one person that you don't want to get stuck up in a cock-up like this is a journalist, uh, Olivia Kelleher. Morning, you're just back Good from... morning, PJ. You're just back How from Malaga. You? Tell me the story. I am. Um, I should be in Sydney, PJ, 35 hours. Um, <laughs> I just sympathise with the last caller in terms of the word communication. There was no communication. There was a callous disregard, really, for the elderly anybody with mobility issues. Um, we were we got to Malga Airport, PJ, at 1 o'clock on Saturday for a half-hour flight. We became aware of what was going on at Dublin Airport and we were told at the checkout desk that we'd all have to be checked in manually. Accepted that awfully slow. You'd think they had quills and parchments. It was, it was dreadfully slow. Uh, flight was delayed by two hours. Again, understandable, you thought checking in everybody manually, it's going to slow things down. Mind you, the weighing machine for the cases never fails. Of course, that worked. And we um, got through to our departure area and the flight then kept being delayed by two hours, two hours, two hours. Um, Sometime in the evening, we got a 15 euro voucher for food. Um, the only problem was that you'd have to go all the way back out through kind of passport and security. So everybody climbed, uh, uh, basically lined up at this place called Solo, a cafe, where there was one poor girl dealing with a lot of uh, disgruntled Irish people who were making sure they were using their 15 euro whichever way they could. And they ran out of sandwiches. It was just chaotic. Then there was a piece of paper materialised on the counter, PJ. I have it in front of me. You love this. Um, it must have been some, in some back office from the 70s from Erlingus. 
It's about Erling Stilling Notice, um, what you're entitled to. We will offer you free of charge um, two telephone calls, PJ, mm-hmm. a telex or a fax message or an email. So um, I don't know who I was going to be faxing from Malaga or where I was going to do it. I wouldn't, but, and I wouldn't know a telex machine if you hit me with it. Well, but that actually, you know, there was life relief, like when you, when you see this telex or fax messages. So about 11 o'clock at night, casually passing the, the screen, I noticed that it was cancelled. And we all then started going down to kind of Spanish airport police asking what to do. We had never seen anybody. There was, there was no physical presence at the airport. We were told to go down to a carousel and reclaim our baggage. And they then sent us to something that was like a makeshift Erlingus desk. We were met by a Spanish lady who I'd say was contracted out to deal with us. Um, she told us we were going to three very glamorous hotels and we'd stay the night and we'd get breakfast, lunch and dinner, and if need be, and we'd be collected by bus back to the airport. Yeah. It didn't happen. Oh. Um, the, the following morning we got up and the very helpful hotel staff told us that uh, no such bus ever exists um, we were lucky we got to a nice hotel I was chatting to an elderly lady who was sent to the equivalent of a nice stag nice hotel very genteel real real lady it was I, I was just kind of looking at her thinking no, this you know um, it, it, it was very difficult for her for people who just couldn't walk um, I, I was chatting to another lady and I said God I wonder how many steps we did yesterday and she said I'll tell you I have a Fitbit we did 12,000 up and down the airport trying to find out something so yesterday morning, was it yesterday morning, we got a text at 8 o'clock to say that we had a connecting flight to London um, at 1 o'clock to, with BA. And we got into London at 3 and then our connecting flight with Aer Lingus wasn't until half 10 last night. So I got in home about quarter past 12. I'm lucky I'm down the road. There were four sisters from Limerick who had to get in the car it was exhausting for people. And I mean, there were two old ladies, PJ, I saw at the start of the whole thing that I didn't see afterwards. And I actually wondered about them. There was no duty of care. There was absolutely no assistance. Mm. People were just left there. Herded around like cattle, I think, is one of the expressions. Liv, at least you got home safe. Uh, please tell me you don't have to work today. I do, PJ, and I'm deeply regretting that I didn't kind of call in sick. So if anybody's listening, <laughs> you, can, you can't now. You've been on the radio with no, me. No, I, I, I promised your, your former producer there, Deirdre, shockingly, I'd write about it. Deep regret, Steve, and if you're listening, I, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> thanks so much, Steve. Liv, thanks very much. Cheers. That's Livia Kelleher. 0818969696. Before that, Donica Geary. Donica is still in Turkey. Livia managed to get back uh, 30 something hours later than planned from Malaga and there were people stuck all over the gaff. PJ, what that caller doesn't realise is we don't have a national airline anymore. Yeah, fair point, but that's what people call it. They still call it our national airline. Kate says, surely in this day and age when we all know the cloud can fall over and fail to work, there needs to be a fallback plan rather than everything grinding to a halt, be it a second cloud or some kind of pen and paper system. Yeah, Kate, not wrong. You're not wrong. It, was, it, it seems to have been the collapse of a cloud system. Uh, 
Saturday. I was down for a few hours. They went to the backup. This I'm just responding to Kate's message. There is a backup. They went to the backup and it too had collapsed. 0818 96 96 96. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. Upper Glanmire Community Association presents its Family Fun Day on Sunday the 25th of September. There'll be games like tug of war and sack races, a children's art competition, vintage cars, fun fair rides, the Upper Glanmire Bake Off and much, much more. For more details on the event, check out Upper Glanmire Community Association on Facebook. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers from a diverse range of backgrounds in Cork. See fostering.ie. Cork's 96FM. Now, Ruth, um, I know you, you you know not to let us identify anybody here, but you, no. you saw no. something, was it Saturday? It was Saturday morning. Uh, myself and my friend were out walking to Tremor Valley Park and um, this fox shot, shot out in front of us beautiful creature, absolutely gorgeous. And then he kind of saw the pedestrians and he took off back into the Carl's Bog area of, of yeah. the park. But he was being followed by three or four hounds. And these would be kind of the kind of hounds you'd see, you know, hunting with foxes. Mm-hmm. In, in, you know, and uh, they were being, they were blooded, they were heedless, they chased after a misfortunate creature. They disappeared. You could hear them barking and baying. I didn't see any more of the fox after that, but they kept racing around back and forth. It's very boggy and wet in there as well. And they started getting filthy from all of this. Yeah. Um, and in the distance, I saw a man at the other side of the fence. Now, it's all fenced in. Now, I can't, I, I don't know the first thing about him. I kind of shouted at him and saying, you can't do this. And then he started calling them. Now, he was wasting his time because they were frenzied, absolutely frenzied. And as you know, if they caught that fox, they would have torn him limb from limb. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I went to say. What, what kind the, of dogs the, were they, Ruth? Just with, I've, I've got. I do you know something now, PJ. I when I was able to record it, they look like hunt. They look like the the, the, the dogs you see when um, there's fox hunting going right, on. So they you weren't, know, those they, they weren't just a couple. They weren't just a couple of spaniels. Oh, they weren't. Oh no no no, 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 no. And okay. I thought originally I saw one chasing, and I thought it might have been somebody left their dog off the leech. But these are three or four of the same dogs. Now I did record some of them. And I actually put it up on Twitter. Um, so I went to the park rangers and someone said that this wasn't the first time it has happened and yeah. it has been reported. So, of course, I was right re- because the park is phenomenal and they have yeah. done a fabulous stop job at it, PJ. Yeah, well, You've got beehives in there. You've yeah. got um, uh, buzzards flying overhead. You've got... Yeah, my wife, my wife walks the there a lot with our own dogs and she said you'd often see... You'd see something coming out to the very edge and she said the foxes down there, like they know how far they can come and they'll actually sit and they watch. Do. Yeah. And they yeah. are gorgeous oh, creatures. And, yeah. Beautiful creatures. Yeah. And you, you've got pheasants, you've got all these ground laying birds, you've got lots of ducks, uh, larks, uh, pheasants. So um, You've got all of these yeah. creatures. So walk the dogs, but they have to be kept on a leash at all times. You've got beehives, you've got everything in there. It is just phenomenal what they're doing with it. And they're tending to it and looking it after it and improving it. And it's all by behind the scenes the whole time. It's just a wonderful amenity to have, particularly after, uh, you know, it was a dump for years upon years upon know. years. I so know. they're
they're doing they're doing a great job in it. So anyway, the next day I came back determined to find out because clearly whoever released the dogs didn't release them from the main entrances. I mean, he doesn't want to be seen. So I went round the back. I went into Nemo. And between Nemo and Douglas Court, um, there is a piece of scrap land where they've got the electrical pylon standing up. That's right. And sure enough, there was the fence and one of the bars was missing. So yeah. this is how he introduces his dog, exactly where I had seen him. So I did tweet about it. And it's just a case of getting the bar put back, reinstating the bar. Now, he could do it again, but I think when things get highlighted and people know about it, yeah. he is not going to be doing that. That's I don't know if, if if any of the foxes are left or the pheasants. Like I saw pheasant chicks and everything there during the summer. Yeah. You know, this it's it's just wonderful. All right. That's a that's a disturbing thing to see. Yeah. And, and the ranger and the ranger said to you that it's not the first time. This, it's not the first time, no. And it's been reported, no. I don't know to whom it's been reported so or what whatever. what they have. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, exactly, exactly. But, you know, I, when it comes to animal animals and looking after animals, we can, you know, our legislation is very weak. But this is a health and safety issue. Running around in front, you know, you've got smallies on their bikes, you've got elderly people yes, walking, yeah. and these, these creatures are just <laughs> barreling through, and they're heedless, you know, they're mindless. But you also have... This is what would worry me. You also have a lot of family pets being walked. Like my two dogs are two little softies. If one of these hunting dogs decided to abandon the idea of the fox because they're unlikely to catch the fox and turn on one of my two little fellas, what do I do? No, you're talking PJ. And that's what happens. Yeah. This is exactly what happens. Yeah. So, um, like I said, the misfortunate fox, and he was beautiful a lot of the time. Oh, these gorgeous. urban foxes can be kind of ratty looking and stuff, yeah. but this fellow now, he was just gorgeous. So I have tweeted about it, and I can't believe that somebody would do these things, but look. Yeah. Right. Ruth, thank you for bringing it to our attention, because now that you've told us, uh, everybody else knows that somebody is running dogs through Tremor Valley Park chasing the foxes. If anybody else has come across what Ruth saw at Tremor Valley Park, then uh, let me know at uh, 0818 96 96 96. Francis gets to the bottom that the Rangers told her that it's not the first time that it has been reported. They didn't necessarily say to whom or what might happen. But if anybody else has seen it, that's a very upsetting thing to see. Kate says, I know what I'd do to that dog owner. I'd set police Dobermans or Alsatians on him and see how he likes it. 0818-969696. Now, we'll be talking quite a bit, as you can appreciate, over the next couple of weeks with regard to the budget and the cost of living. I see Simon Coveney all over the media yesterday telling us that this will be a budget like no other. Uh, Rumours abounding, for example, that there will be three electricity credits uh, and possibly even more besides that. So they seem to have something in mind for us. Um, Jamie Lynn Williams, good morning to you. Good morning. Jamie, uh, you're on a carer's mm-hmm. allowance, and I know that you are part of a campaign to increase that carer's allowance and do away with the means test. I am, yes. Um, I'm part of uh, quite a few campaigns, uh, one of them being obviously um, what we're calling the Carers Advocacy. Um, uh, We have a Carers Advocacy support group on Facebook where people can sort of keep up with it, but the petition itself 
is called increase carers allowance and end means testing. Yeah. Um, there's another one going for disability for the increase increase of disability allowance. Yeah. Um, and to end the means testing for that as well, just so people are aware. You but, want the disability um, yeah, put obviously. up three fifty. You want the carers put yeah. up as well to to three fifty, correct? I want the carers put up to national minimum wage. Um, and people are saying I'm crazy, but um, I'm going to explain now exactly why. Um, because obviously, you know, everyone's been hit quite hard by the cost of living. And I personally do feel that in one of the wealthiest countries in the world, there's not a single person who should be struggling to survive. But the fact is that right now there are a lot of people who just can't make ends meet, you know. Um, Cares and disabled people have been at the bottom of that barrel for a very long time. And now it's reached a point where carers are not only trying to survive week to week on the pittance that they're given, um, but they're also being asked to supply all the additional needs, which DCA never covered to yeah. begin with, yeah, um, as well as as well as the cost for private health care. The onus for private health care has come upon us here um, since none seems to be available. Yeah. Um, we're having to homeschool or hire private tutoring since there's a lack of adequate educational spaces. Uh, that's, you know, obviously still such an issue. Um, and then transport on top of it in a lot of cases for yeah. both school, if they were lucky, if your child was lucky enough to get a place, yeah. um, and in daily life, because public transport just isn't accessible yeah. for people with disabilities. A quick question uh, for you, Jamie. Um, and for a number of years, uh, my, my wife was on, had a carer's allowance for our, for our boy, but that's quite a long time ago now, so I've, I've, I've lost touch with the rules and regulations. The person for whom you care, are they automatically yeah. entitled to a medical card? They get a medical card, but the the healthcare just isn't available. Yeah. Like you can take them to a GP, but the children's disability network teams are just not there. Yeah. Uh, the staff just isn't available. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of issues with that, um, especially considering, um, you know, Shane Kors latest allegations here against the HSE. Um, yeah. detailing millions of euros worth of financial irregularities that yeah. apparently came directly from the areas covering the budget meant yeah. for hiring yeah. those staff. We've, we've read those. So you want to have the carer's allowance paid at the minimum <clears throat> wage, which is 37 hours at 10.50 an hour. So you'd be looking at a carer's allowance of 388.50 per week. You also want to do away with the means test. Why? Yes, I do. Um, well, honestly, the means test is a bit cruel when it comes to carers and disabled people. Um, we have additional needs, not less than the average household. And if carers and disabled people feel that they could be working to support themselves during the cost of living crisis, they should be supported, not hindered. Um, that's really, really important to note here. Um, and there, there currently aren't really... <clears throat> clear guidelines and criteria for people who want to work from home in those cases. They're only working out of the house. Um, so carers and disabled people would obviously be very likely to work from home. Um, so getting rid of the means testing would really solve a lot of issues for us. 
Um, it might also mean, though, Jamie, that if you got rid of the means test, and I'm just using this as an example, you could have someone like yeah. a government minister or a high court judge or a very highly paid business executive able to claim carer's allowance. Would that be fair? I suppose that you could. Um, I mean, there are different ways to go about this. You could uh, you could raise the means to exclude uh, the very rich. Um, but obviously people, uh, in middle and, um, lower incomes, they're just not a less arduous means test. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, yes. it is, I, I remember, I remember having to fill it out for ourselves back in the day. Yeah. It is arduous as anything. It, it, it is really arduous. Is. You have to fight every step of the way. And it's like the moment um, that you hear that, for example, parents, that your child has additional needs. Right now, it's as if every support just stops dead. Yeah. Um, there's there's no support at all. Um, so we're really supporting ourselves. We're supporting the people that we care for. Um, we're giving everything we've got. Um, and a lot of us just are at a point now where it's a breaking point. We will not make it through the winter. Um, and the things that they're suggesting just aren't feasible um, you know, we've got a lot of empty promises up in the air. Um, unfortunately, Minister Rabbit's latest suggestion for returning the therapist just won't work. Um, uh, Force a trade union has come out um, to speak on the redeployment of therapists for special schools, um, something that they're responsible for enacting. Yeah. Um, and they've already declared that simply just isn't feasible. It's problematic. You, you can't take from Very an empty problematic. You, you know, an ordinary mommy like yourself, Jamie, first of all, you shouldn't have to be doing this, but but that's, hey, that's the country in which we live. Can I ask how you feel facing into the winter with increased energy costs and, and you must be fearful? I am fearful. Um, to be honest, uh, I'm looking at uh, what seems to be their current answer, which is throwing money um, at these very predatory energy companies. Um, and I'm just thinking, how long can this go on? It can't because eventually you're going to be drained of money. Um, really what needs to be happening here is they need to be capping these rates as they've done in other EU countries. Um, and as EU parliament has already suggested to Ireland, they really need to be, um, need to be taking the bull by the horns here. Um, and, and, Stopping the price gouging, um, which is really the issue that they're kind of dancing around at the moment, um, because people like us, we just really can't cope. Um, I'm, we're doing everything that we can to just get this in the media constantly, get it in the news, let people know that we're struggling. Um, and at a certain point, you, you just can't do any more. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm doing this now because I don't know what else to do. It's terrifying. We have a family, um, you know, and a lot of families depend on the electricity. They're talking about blackouts for disabled people. That could be a death sentence, you know, um, people who depend on, on the electricity just to live. Um, and I know for us, it would just be, um, you know, extremely difficult um, with an autistic child who who would use electricity to regulate um, with sensory lighting and, mm-hmm. and, and different aspects like that. 
Um, yeah, you it, can't, it, you can't just, just plunge that kid into the dark for two hours and say, wait, you can't. Uh, you know what? Um, we, we find ways to cope when, when there are outages, but a full blackout for God knows how long. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't even, I, I, I know you, you can't even imagine what it's going to be like. And thank you, Jamie, for that. I appreciate your, your contribution. Uh, minimum wage. She feels the she feels the carers' allowance should be paid at minimum wage, which is presently three hundred and eighty-eight odd euro per week, and that the means test should be scrapped. Oh uh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'd love to know what what you think, PJ. The means test has to go. My mother with dementia is living with us. The better half minds her. The two kids Monday to Friday. I do all three on the weekends. And she goes to work for 14 hours. The hoops we had to jump through for 61.50 a week was unbelievable. I'm not a wealthy earner, PJ. Neither is she. 40 of that 61.50 is because we have two kids. It's despicable. Really, it's 21.50 she got approved for. Get rid of the means test. It's an absolute joke. And for someone like you, it absolutely is. But you see, can you imagine the headlines? that there would be if we suddenly did away with a means test and I'm not saying whether you should or you shouldn't because I remember sitting down to do it and it's arduous it's just arduous and it was the wife did most of the heavy lifting on it not me um, but to imagine the headlines if we suddenly discovered that a cabinet minister or, or a high court judge or some boss of a massive company that was earning three or four hundred grand a year they were entitled to a carers announce Imagine the headlines then, and if you do away with the means test, that just might happen. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. On your radio every afternoon with the best tunes from the biggest names like these guys. My name is George Ezra. Hi, I'm Lizzo. This is Harry Styles. I am always good for a giveaway. You're very good, thanks for it. And the random stuff like House Envy. Can you see the water from where you are? I can. It's just beautiful, yeah. Any interest in doing a bit of Airbnb, Gillian? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Sky VIP. At Sky, everyone's a VIP. Visit the VIP section of the My Sky app to discover your rewards. On Cork's 96 FM. Definitely, I can see the merits of increasing the carer's allowance to the um, minimum wage, though. Absolutely, there's a, that's, a, that's a no-brainer. Yes, it would be very costly, but there must be some way to finance it. Um, see what you think 0818 96 96 96 Anya thanks for your email I'll read it later lovely story and that's the kind of care that's out there that we know little or nothing about but happens all the time I can't believe this Um, I remember talking to um, Deputy Michael Collins and to a young councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan a couple of years ago when this bus started going from West Cork to Belfast to take people up for cataract operations under the cross-border treatment scheme. I remember the first or second bus and and you know, it was a kind of a suck it and see if we get to fill another bus, we'll take another bus. Bus number 100 went at the weekend. Michael Collins, good morning. Good morning, PJ. 100 
times now this bus has run? Uh, absolutely, all the times uh, the necessity is there. Uh, there'll be uh, whole streamline of buses going along Athens as well. But we've done about five uh, bus trips in the last uh, few weeks because I have huge numbers waiting, people going blind, waiting for a simple 25-minute cataract surgical procedure that can take place in Bantridge and Lasp and in Mallow and in Cork City, PJ. And it's not happening, unfortunately, in spite of all the promises we've got down through the years. It simply isn't happening for the people of Cork County and Cork City uh, and, and Kerry. And uh, in some some cases, uh, I get a lot of people too from uh, Dublin and there along the line and Donegal uh, looking for surgical procedures are, you know, worried they're going to go blind. And the one thing I have, PJ, is people, you see, would say to me, look, I'm trying my best not to have to travel to Belfast. People in over 90 years of age going up this weekend. Mm. They've rang, they've rang the, the hospital in Cork. Where am I on the waiting list? Oh, we don't know or else it looks like it could be another three years waiting. And there might have been two years waiting already. Now, 24 people went on Saturday morning. Are, are they home already? They're all uh, home, thank God, and uh, 23 of them had successful operations. Um, they, they all came home last night. One uh, gentleman had high blood pressure and that his operation was pulled off. So they're fairly good up there in Kingsbridge Private Hospital. But all 24 people left could be uh, praying with the expectations that they come back with their sight saved. And um, Ben Dalton O'Sullivan, as you mentioned, what well, the councillor and myself met him when they came back to uh, Cork last night. And there was a lot of relieved and happy people. And obviously, I get phone calls in the morning, this morning, from people saying, they're delighted they can see more now than they've seen since they were a child, you know, and, and yeah. just mean the effects of elderly people. But there's right. a scandal situation that we let them go to where it is that they have to go blind or go to Belfast. And Michael, you know, I know that they get quite an amount of the money back. Would you go through it again for us, what, what the structure of that is? The, the whole structure is, 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 is first of all, we, I organised the, the coach for them, I organised the overnight stay and organised the, the consultation and the operation in Kingsbridge Private Hospital. It costs in the region of 2,200 sterling and they get 2,000 back. That's so that they are going to be able to pocket some bit, but it's a, it's it's a, you know to them it's okay it's either that or go blind. Now, in fairness, I will say one thing: to the credit unions have given so many people bridging loans. You know, if they're worried, and we walked to the credit unions, spoke to them. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of a government back scheme as such, mm-hmm. um, and and the credit unions are giving them bridging loans for those who didn't have the money and were able. To I go was just going to ask you that because I know credit unions are looking very favourably on, for example, that new hospital in Benidorm that we were talking about a few weeks ago but they are coming up with a loan to cover a person's trip to Belfast definitely that they have and it's a course that, that would become more uh, needed we say for people with hips and knees and capital all those operations cost a lot more money they've, yes. they've been brilliant to do that and they're doing it with the cataracts as well so a lot of people are getting you know a bridging loan and, and as soon as they get their money back in six weeks they, they, they go back to six weeks and back them up yeah, six weeks, weeks that's very and, and it is six weeks like it's not you're not sitting there waiting you know it, it comes in automatically does it no no it, 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 well sorry sometimes it can go to eight weeks but like you know there could be a query maybe you didn't send in a receipt because you must keep your receipts when you're in Ireland and, 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 and so all them little uh, things come into place but if you leave something out it unfortunately delays it ever so I understand, uh, I understand, but I understand. they do get the money back and that's the good, good, good. and this is not just Car County it's Cork City it's Cork yeah. we've, you know all over the place we've, we've taken over the last uh, three to four years and of course COVID blocked quite a lot of them we're back quick, quick one in the phone there Michael um, there's a new ophthalmo- ophthalmology place after opening next to breast check in town does Deputy Collins know if there'll be any arrangements made for people to do the operation there so they don't have to travel 
Not that I know of at this present time. I have more an urgent need uh, on my phone on a daily basis today than I had, we'll say, three or four years ago. So, And, and it looks to me, from looking at some of the figures that the uh, Neil Michael, the Irish examiner, has put together, that the, the waiting list is getting longer and yeah. more people are waiting for surgical procedures, not less. And lastly and briefly, because I'm running out of time, Brexit, had it any effect? It did. It changed it from being the EU cross-border to the Northern Ireland Healthcare Initiative. That's the name. It, it, right. it, it, we argued very strongly in the Dáil that the scheme would continue. It has, and hopefully it will, but I can't guarantee after the end of this sure. year that it will. But so far, Brexit had no effect. Michael, thank you very much. Michael Collins, Independent TD for Cork Southwest, The 100th cataract bus, and still people are asking to go up. All the stars on one show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is George Ezra. What's up, y'all? I'm Beyonce. Hi, this is Harry Styles. Hi, I'm Lou. Hi, Ed Sheeran here. The Hit Mix with Shane Bucks on your radio. Weeknights from 8 on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just a happy birthday today. I don't normally do these, but then again, not everybody's as famous as this man. Uh, a bit of a Northside legend. Happy birthday today, and he's at work as normal to Mick Moriarty, the Baldy Barber. If you're passing the salon today, pop in and say hello and wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Baldy. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. I know someone who said that once they had the operation done, they can see all the dust, dust and dirt now. Yeah. Hi PJ, seems to me unless a condition is life-threatening, patients are put down the list. They're going blind, waiting up to five years for contract cataract operations. Well done to Michael and everybody else involved. 0818 96 96 96. Back to carer's allowance and the, the two arguments. One, that it should be increased to match the minimum wage. The second that they should be doing away with the means test. Ashling, what did you like to say? Good morning. Hiya, PJ. How are you? Good. You care for Donacha? No. Yeah, Donacha. He's uh, four years old. So we're four years down the line, but it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Like, it's 24-7 care, and, like, I just can't understand why we don't get the same mm. as a normal person out working. Like, what do the work you get, we do Ashling? is. What, what is the payment? Um, well, obviously it's means tested, so I think I'm only getting something like 260 a week. Right, right. So, and like the normal person going out working every day gets 300 odds. Like, I just don't understand. It's 24-7. We don't get holidays. We don't get sick pay. We get no time off. Yes. <laughs> you know, I just don't understand why we can't get minimum wage. It, it's just ridiculous. It's yeah. The work we do is just, yeah. it's never ending, like, so. What, what are Dunnick's needs, Ashling? What are his needs? Well, he's an awful lot of needs. He's, he's non-verbal. He'll never, he'll never walk. He's, he can't sit up unaided. 
He's in a special chair. He's tube fed through the stomach. He's on an A4 sheet of medication daily. Mm. You know, he, he can get seizures. He gets his infantile spasms. He gets he's a lot of digestion, digestion issues. Feeds are an issue with him. Oh, it's just... He's a lot of issues. And then to make matters worse, he's four years old and he's undiagnosed, so we don't even know what. Oh, my goodness me. Yeah. Yeah, they've told us whatever he has, it's extremely rare. So, so you think that's a good start. Had, I kind of guessed that bit, yeah. But yeah, they don't, they don't had, know. No, we've had tests. We've been tested. Husband's been tested. And Donica's been tested. And to, today we're still... Ongoing tests, and they can't find out what's wrong. And what hoops so, did you have to jump through to get the carers, Ashlyn? Because I know myself back oh, in the day. Sure. The, 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 like the, the that, test is arduous. It's very arduous. Like. Yeah, like that. Like I didn't have a clue when Dunnock was born. Like now, I had a social worker, and she went through all the forms that you have to because you have to go and get domiciliary care allowance, and you have to apply for all these things. But the forms were ridiculous. Like, like a book you have to fill out. Uh, like. You know, even the time alone and having to get my husband's pay slips and all, you just have to give every bit bank details. It's like, oh, the amount, you just have to give everything to them. Just like in case they might just give you a bit more like, oh, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, but yeah, you know, I, I just don't understand why we can't get minimum wage like everyone else. Like the work we do is so... As I say, there there's no time off. Like it's it's yes. ongoing. Like and it's not like you know, and, and the money. Up. It's not like you can no. finish up on a Friday and say I'm out of no. office for the next ten days. No. It doesn't happen. Th- yeah. There's there's no you know, and like the government, do they not realise the money we're saving them by caring for all our loved ones at home? No, I wouldn't. Jesus, I wouldn't. I love Dunnock and everything, but do they not realise the money like that we're they're saving? And the pittance they're giving us then for the work we do. It's, you know, yeah, it's no. just, and yeah, like. You make, you make your point. Yeah. You make your point yeah. extremely well and clearly. And like I say, I was thinking about what I was saying there, thinking during the news, what, so what if, if a high court judge or a high paid yeah. business executive manages to get a carer's allowance? So what? It balances yeah. itself out if more people like you get a better payment. Yeah, you know, and like we're, geez, we're still all caring for our loved ones that have is issues. True. And this is true. You know, this is true. You know, and like as I said, people don't know it until they've walked it. Like, and this is very true. It, you, it's tough. Like, you, you have it, two other smallies as well, have you? I do. I have a four-month-old here, and I have a seven-year-old in school. Four-month-old, I know. Oh, <laughs> oh, God! You know what? I don't do much of it, Ashling, but I'll pray for you. <laughs> 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 but sure, look, we wouldn't be without any. They're three brilliant I kids, know. and I wouldn't be without them. And uh, you know, Donica's is—he's uh, my—he's my world. But uh, you know, it's just—I uh, just think we should be getting more help, really. You Fair know? enough. It's just. Fair enough. No, no, I, I totally, I totally agree with you the, yeah. I, on the minimum wage side of it, at least. Yeah. Thank you very much, Ashling. And I'm—I'm I'm inclined to be swayed on the uh, means test thing. Too. Thanks, Ashling, and best luck to you and Donica and all the others. Um, the one person on 300,000, if they applied, would and should receive it. They pay tax the same as everyone else. Their child's needs are no different. People need to get over their begrudging attitudes. Thanks for that. 
0818969696. There's two things people want with the carers allowance. They want to increase it to the minimum wage, which presently stands at around 390 euro. And they want to scrap the means test. Is that, would you, how would you feel about that? 0818969696. I'll, I'll hold on to that, will I? I will. Um, we also got quite a lengthy communication last week from a person describing themselves as the working poor. Uh, and I'll read it in a wee while because I think there's a lot of people will identify with it. And by the working poor, I don't mean people who have a need of, this, of, of state assistance and get state assistance. I mean people who don't qualify for any kind of state assistance. They're the working poor. I'll read that in a while. Thank you. 0818969696. Now, after many weeks of campaigning and asking and pleading and downright demanding, the people from FUS had a meeting on Saturday, I think it was, Rebecca, with the Taoiseach. So you met him personally, did you? Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, yeah, so we had our meeting with the Taoiseach on Saturday, just gone. Um, and, you know, overall, it was, um, you know, a positive experience. Um, you know, we went in with a very set agenda and we were very happy that we, I mean, the meeting lasted 90 minutes. We were happy that we were able to cover kind of every issue that we wanted to cover. Mm. Um, so, you know, the Taoiseach accepted that uh, progressing disabilities as a model has failed. Oh, he accepted um, and- he fully accepted that. He admitted that. We did um, ask him um, that he would make a public statement to that effect because obviously, and that the, the state would apologise to families and just just some level of acknowledgement, frankly, because, you know, you, you know yourself, like all we've been getting really is responses to the questions of journalists. That's the only interaction that we've been getting from government on this issue really mm-hmm. is responses to um, when they're when they're asked by journalists, whereas nobody's actually spoken to us, nobody has spoken to all of the families who are dealing with these things every day. Um, he also accepted that the culture and institutions of the HSE uh, were an issue. Uh, we kind of said that was an understatement. We brought up the fact that we have been getting a lot of anonymous uh, contact from people working within the system because obviously they're bound by non-disclosure agreements. Um, Some of those include um, members of staff within TUSLA who are very concerned about the volume of referrals being received from CDNTs. And as they said, it was basically it's getting to the point where if these state agency, it's the only it's the only public um, agency left which can step in to prevent the collapse of a family because, and but it's, it's highly inappropriate um, for most of the families that are being referred there. They don't need TOSLAD. They need children's disability services. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, so how, so did, how did he respond, first of all, your call for him to make a public statement? How did he respond to that? Um, I would say that it was kind of a let's move on sort of situation. Uh, that wasn't... It, it wasn't really. I don't. I, don't, I can't. I. 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 I can't. He didn't say he wouldn't. He didn't say he wouldn't. Correct. He, exactly. He couldn't be drawn on on that one. Um, now, on the issue of equipment provision, he did state that in his view, no child should be waiting for equipment, um, and he did not see the purpose of rag groups, and he felt that they delayed the process, and he felt that any item of equipment 
which any prof- which a professional, an OT or a consultant feels is medically necessary, then a child should be given that. And the budget spent on equipment was a drop in the ocean in the grand scheme of the HSE spending. And we were able to provide him with a list of families mm. whose um, where they had where they had um, because we have the policy for Cork and Kerry for equipment. Um, so we know what the criteria is, although it's actually it's it's quite a vague document in, in many ways. So the teacher said um, to you effectively that he agreed with you that no child who needs equipment should have to wait for it. Just outline again for me, uh, Rebecca, what is a RAG group, just for the benefit of listeners? So um, if if it's de- determined that your child needs a piece of equipment, like maybe they need, you know, like um, a bath lift or a bath seat or a wheelchair or anything like that or a walker, then you'd go to your children's disability team. You, they will put in, they'll write a report saying why it's medically necessary. Sometimes there's involvement from the paediatrician or a consultant. They'll also write a letter saying, look, this item of equipment is medically necessary. And then the way it goes at the moment is it goes to the, the I think they're the, the regional allocation group. Okay. Um, so there's one in Cork. And I suppose what we had brought up with him is that we keep being told that money is not an issue. Money is not a problem. It's, it's all that they're just short staff. Yeah. But that is not true in the case of equipment. That is not remotely true in the case of equipment. So many layers of red tape. So many layers of, of red tape. That's the thing. They, they only have thirty thousand euros for the whole of Cork for adults, children, and the elderly. Yes, yes, yes. So how can that not uh, short being short of money? You know, Rebecca, worry before I know that you're going to be attending the cost of living protest on Saturday, and we're very much gearing up and covering that in detail throughout the course of the week. Were you satisfied with the meeting? From a, from a cost of living perspective, that was a huge issue that we spoke about, and um, we. The the Taoiseach kind of wasn't really giving a whole lot of way. He uh, away he did me- mention one-off measures, and we were clear, very very clear, to point out that that just simply that the one-off measure simply it's a sticky plaster on a dam that's already at, at breaking point. The, you know the Inclusion Ireland reports tells us that people with disabilities, on average, have thirteen thousand euros extra of costs every year. So. You know, many of these families, they're on 220, they're on 260. And then there's many as well who are just above the cutoff point. And, you know, I would come 100% of us would agree um, that there should be an end to means testing for carers payments because all where, all welfare payments are open to abuse. It, it doesn't stop us having them. Yes, Do you know what I mean? Yes. And um, I think the point that can be made is, well, look, if by any chance a highly paid executive who's trousering 420 grand a year, if by some chance they manage to get approved for a carer's allowance, what of it if it means everybody else who needs one gets one too? Is that generally the view? Absolutely. Like, I mean, th- that's the thing. I mean, one one point as well that has been very, very much, you know, not mentioned is the fact that women are typically the ones who stay at home mm-hmm. to do the caring mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. So if they have no personal income, that put women's at, that's put, puts women at huge risk of, you know, financial abuse. They have no income of their own. Every We, we pointed out to the Taoiseach that every single carer in this country and every single person with a disability in this country 
is watching as they're rolling out, you know, they're trialing a living wage for artists, which we also welcome because everybody deserves a living wage. But the fact remains that if you think that that's what the living wage is and you acknowledge that there's 13,000 euros every year of extra expenses that come with having a disability and all the services have collapsed, then where do you think, how do they think that people will survive that? How do they think, like, that people are not going to be making the decision between the electricity and the appointment because it's not just that, the, you know, the speech and language, the OT, it's everything. The toy, you know, the toys cost extra. You know, you, you have a lot of children who need specific shoes to cover leg braces. Every single little thing is more expensive. Yes, it is. And there's just absolutely no acknowledgement of that. I take it FOSS will be attending the cost living protest in large numbers on Saturday. Yes, absolutely. So Saturday at two o'clock um, outside the um, on the Grand Parade. Um, so we will be there. We will have our banner. Um, anyone, any carer or person with disability will be welcome to join us. Um, and we also have a full kind of rundown of kind of what we discussed with the Taoiseach as well. Uh, that will be going up on our website today. Okay. Uh, we covered huge ground on it. So there's there's a lot to go through. Okay, all right. Uh, Rebecca, thanks. Did you, you contacted us about something else entirely, um, driving after just the 12 lessons. Do you want to briefly outline what you're talking about there? Yeah, um, so I suppose, and to be honest, this kind of ties in with cost of living as well in, in some respects. So I had to I had to learn to drive. Um, myself and my husband, we lived in Dublin for a number of years and we were living quite close to the city centre, so we didn't have to drive. However, um, you know, when we had our, our, our daughter, we, we well, she's our second, like we really, really had to get out and start driving. Um, so before the pandemic, I went and did, I went and did two lessons doing manual and I was like, do you know what, this isn't for me, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with the automatic. I think I'm more suited to it. So I went and did my 12 lessons automatic. And then when they were done, I was like, I honestly don't feel in any way prepared to sit a driving test. So I went off and I found another another uh, instructor who came very highly recommended. Um, and he he was like, you're nowhere near ready for a test. And I was like, I 100% agree with you. And he said, the 12 lessons, that whole rhetoric is a bit of a failure of the Road Safety Authority in the sense that you wouldn't study for your leaving cert for 12 hours. So why should you be behind the wheel of a car after 12 hours? Mm. And it's it's there is an enormous cost involved with getting on the road. Like for example, the, the one of the main reasons that we did get on the road was that we simply couldn't. Especially, um, it's it's more kind of apparent as time has gone on. But there is no there's only one um changing table in the whole of Cork that's a suitable for an older child, and it doesn't actually have a hoist. So while it's suitable for our child, it isn't suitable for for many other children. So the only place that you can change your child is in the boot of a car. So, you know, there are a lot of families. Which isn't very dignified anyway. No, but I mean, it's it's, we're at the point now where like, so it was our, our, we were getting to the point where we were taking our daughter for an appointment on the other side of the city, but we knew we wouldn't be able to change her while we were out. You know what I mean? So you can't really rely on public transport for that. And that's something that, you know, you know, is completely missed. Um, but I was really lucky. I had an absolutely amazing instructor and we were very privileged to be able to invest the money that was needed. But we also like I, I'm the first one in our household to drive. So, you know, you have your 12 lessons, but in between those 12 lessons, you're supposed to do at least three hours of practice for each yeah. lesson you have. 
So that amounts to, you know, quite, quite a lot oh, of yeah. hours. So I had to do those with my instructor. Yeah. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah. So it was a seriously have, large amount of you money. You didn't have an experienced driver with you. I mean, I spent, I don't know how many Sunday mornings while my daughter was learning to drive. I don't know how many Sunday mornings we spent driving around town for her to practice. Uh, but you didn't have that luxury because you didn't have another driver in the house. I see where you're coming from. Rebecca, thank you. And I know people, we'll talk again. I know people are um, anxious to get a very big turnout Saturday. Could you suggest people mentions the cost of living protest in Cork on the 17th, then the national one on 24th. People need to show how they feel and they need to show it on the street. Uh, ringing governments for statements gets nowhere as they really do not care. Uh, thanks for that. The 17th, this Saturday, there's two. There's this Saturday at two o'clock in Cork City and there's the following weekend in Dublin. Uh, these cost of living matches where some people are expecting a really, really big turnout. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, I'll actually do that email in, in a while. Go to Lucy because she's holding on there. Um, Lucy Home Roberts, you've written a book... Um, of poetry based on your time. This is a fascinating story. The time you spent working on super yachts. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. You worked for 13 years as a stewardess for the rich and famous. Now, before I I get into your poetry or your book, are we allowed to know who you worked with? Uh, unfortunately, you know, I'd love to share that with you, PJ, but unfortunately, confidentiality is such a big thing. I can't say, but um, what Are I can say is that names? I worked. Oh, yeah, I worked for everyone from sort of entertainers to heads of state to billionaire business moguls of all nationalities. So a huge range of people. So, And how did you get into that line of work? Like, what was your job? 
Well, um, after university, I went to Nice in France and I was sort of working at the residences of uh, rich people along the coast um, when I discovered the yachting epicentre of Antibes, which I, it was sort of hidden to me before then. So I sort of fell into it, really. And the next thing I knew, I was having an interview and then I was on a plane going to Miami, which was my first job. And it kind of spiralled from there, really. I always had plans to go back to London, but, you know, I just... One job led to another job and I loved it. You know, I really enjoyed the travel. I've met some absolutely unbelievable people. So, and I traveled to places that were sort of beyond my wildest imagination, really. So, it sounds like it could be either glamorous and exciting or it could be living hell or a bit of both. Which was it? Yeah. Um, well, it had its moments both ways, really. I mean, you know, like any job at sea, it can be really tough. Um, it's long hours, sometimes very rough weather conditions, and you can feel really alone. So, you know, far away from home, friends, family. Um, and I suppose, you know, the poetry that I've written stemming from that time, it's not salacious in so much as it just really examines those feelings of distance and, you know, containment, really, because it's, it's a life away from your usual life, but it's on the sea. And yeah, I mean, it's amazing experiences, but yeah, some, some kind of tough moments as well. Your, your collection is called Temporary Stasis. And one thing poets can do is, is hide stuff in their poetry. So you need to read it several times. Like, I know you told me you can't tell me who you worked for, but are there clues <laughs> hidden into the book as to who you did work for? <laughs> well, there are always clues. Um, but, you know, with the thing with this book as well is it's a, it's a pamphlet, so it's a small collection. Um, I did have some quite longer sequences in the original manuscript but you know we had to cut it back for space so you never know those stories might then they're going to appear somewhere either in a a larger collection or maybe a memoir or a novel you know I have lots of ideas so they're always going to be with me those stories I probably will not reveal names though I'd say (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's quite it's it's quite a short little book so you it's obviously is it a is it a taster a tester of what you might be writing in the future yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the direction I'm going in is a little bit different now because I've been studying at UCC um, for the last year doing my MA and I've been working with a huge range of amazing writers and poets and novelists. And from that, you know, new ideas have, have, have come from that. So I have, I mean, I have an awful lot of things that I'm working on. So, yeah. Tell me about this old book, Hundreds of Things a Girl Can Make, which sounds like something written in the... 19 or the 1800s or 1700s what 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 is it yeah absolutely it's you know it's from uh, w fulsham as the publisher and i think it was published first in 1900 um you know i love trawling for books in corks charity shops and i was kind of drawn to this book on the shelf and um started looking at the chapters and it was things like a woolen envelope bag or how to make your own smelling salts <laughs> and you know as i started to kind of um dip into it you know i i just found these interesting narratives started to sort of float to the top once i began erasing words to reveal new meanings so i found when i was working on things i kept picking it up every time my mind wandered mm. um and then you know what eventually one project sort of bled into the other it's it's fascinating really you know it's it's I love the process of erasure. You can always find something underneath mm. what's already been written. It, it, it is amazing what you find in old bookshops anywhere. We've mm-hmm. got some beauties here in Cork. You do. you're, you're doing an MA in English. Uh, is is mm-hmm. that kind of intended to hone poetry writing or is it just general love of English? 
I think it's you can take it in any direction that you want to, really. I mean, I've worked with such a talented cohort of writers and everybody specialises in different areas. So, I mean, I've been learning from teachers like Leanne O'Sullivan and Liz Quirk and Matthew Geeden and Cork novelist Danny Denton, um, Ava Walsh, you know, so they're... You know, you have this multitude of influences and you can kind of take it in whichever direction you want. I just did my poetry thesis, actually, um, under Liz's supervision. And I mean, it was amazing. I didn't want it to end. It was a fantastic experience. For anyone listening who might be interested in a life working with the rich and famous, would you advise Mm -hmm. it or would you recommend it to try it? Um, Well, absolutely, I would. I mean, I, I owe so much inspiration that I have um, in my writing to those years that I spent at sea and I didn't realize it at the time I was always trying to write um, but I didn't think that I was in the right arena I thought I should be in publishing or something more literary but all of those experiences have informed the person and the writer that I am now and you know I had an amazing time I wouldn't change a moment of it yeah. and you're not from Cork but how come you're based here now Leslie well, I met my husband, who is from Cork. Um, he's from Balafihan. I met him at sea. Yeah, he's a marine engineer. So I don't know really how I ended up here. It just sort of happened. And well, 12 years later or 13 years later, I'm still here. Well, Lucy, if you're going to meet a man from Balafihan and marry him, then he's going to want to live in Cork. That's that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, this is true, yeah. Okay, Lucy, great speaking with you. And good luck with the... Uh, pamphlet or short book called Temporary Stasis being launched this week um, and that's Lucy Holm Roberts. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. I was going mad. She might tell me, I hope she might tell me about some of the people that she worked with but now nah. Sworn to secrecy. Right, let me do this. I want to put this out. Give it a minute or two to read this and I want you to just respond as, as you feel you can. I think people will identify with this rather a lot. Dear PJ, I'm in my mid-thirties. I have a permanent, stable job that pays well, but I just can't get on in life. I can't buy a house. I rent a small room in a house share for ridiculous money, and I can't access good health care because of the little boys we have sitting in government. I don't have a medical card. I pay health insurance, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't really think it makes much difference. For example, recently I needed a GP. I was told it would be three weeks before I could be seen. Do these people really think they're doing a good job up there in the government? Ireland, in my eyes, is now a failed state. Do these people realise how difficult it is for people at the moment? I feel people in their 20s, 30s and 40s are becoming what I call the working poor of Irish society. Unfortunately, in this country, you get penalised for working. All people out there who are getting up and going out to work, they're now going down the road of being the working poor. You might wonder what working poor means. The working poor will be the people who are working and won't get any assistance towards cost of living as they've too much money in the eyes of the government. The working poor will be the ones left with nothing at the end of the month, but apparently they still earn too much to be entitled to any assistance or support. The people out there working will never get allowances towards their bills. Okay, we got 200 quid towards the electricity, but that doesn't exactly cover a lot. The working poor are the ones who pay for it all and are left with nothing. I'm so angry about this. I wonder, why do I get up and go out to work when I'll be left with nothing at the end of the month? How are we meant to save? 
how we were meant to contribute to a pension for when we retire. Then we have these people in government talking in the media saying they understand we're in a cost of living crisis. They're also the ones accepting a pay rise at a time when people are struggling. I seriously wonder what planet these people in government are on. The answer is, I don't think this cost of living crisis really affects them at all. Our ancestors fought hard and worked hard for us to have education, healthcare and to bring us to where we are today. It's now time for the people of government, people of Ireland rather, it's now time for the people of Ireland to stand up and tell our government we will not accept the way things are. They need to stop talking and take action now. I will be attending the Cost of Living March on 17th September. I call on all young people to attend that march so we don't become the working poor of Irish society. And what I say to our government is, I refuse to be the working poor. On you was on to us, opinion at 96fm.ie. Can I just share a small gesture of kindness, but it meant so much to me. Saturday, September 10th, about four o'clock, I left the house to go visit my dad, Seamus, in his nursing home. He's in the Ballincotic Community Nursing Unit. He likes a few slices of toast with butter. Uh, now, we could easily get this from the nursing home, but he likes when we bring it in with him to have with his evening cup of tea. Anyway, I walked into town, and when I got down to the Northgate Bridge, I thought, Ha, ah, Jay, I forgot the toast. So, I had a mini panic. So I thought, I'll go into Tony's on North Main Street, told the chap in there my dilemma, and sure, no problem at all. A few slices of toast and butter, not a bother. Take them away. And they also threw in a few sausages, just for my dad. He used to love going to Tony's for breakfast. Anyway, to cut a long story short, he came out with the toast and sausages all wrapped up and wouldn't take a penny. I put a few quid in the tip jar. Just wanted to share this. You can't beat Cork and the people in Cork. That's from Anya. Well done, Tony's. And a shout out also to the wonderful staff in Ballincollig Community Nursing Unit. They're all amazing and so kind and caring to my dad. That's nice. That's nice. 0818 96 96 96. Can I just mention to you, Anam Kara. And we've talked to them and about them before Tuesday the 20th, which is tomorrow week. They'll hold their second Cork meeting of the month in Mill Court, Mill Place, Bandon, quarter past seven. All bereaved parents from the area are welcome, regardless of the age that their child died or the circumstances of their death. There is no need to register, just arrive on the evening at quarter past seven. Thank you for that. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. One of Ireland's best bands, Villagers, are set for an acoustic live show at the Everyman Theatre on December 11th. Tickets are on sale now from cybersavenue.ie and wearevillagers.com. Access all areas. The Irish Civil War documentary is a collaboration between RTE and UCC and there will be a preview screening with soundtrack performed live by the RTE Concert Orchestra to take place at 8pm Tuesday, September 13th at Cork Opera House. Tickets are just €10 with all proceeds going to Cork Penny Dinners. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96 6fm.ie 
Access all areas. With Cork Culture Night, Cork City. Enjoy free events in over 100 venues on Friday, September 23rd. See culturenightcork.ie on Cork's 96FM. Now between wild swimming, which is basically a swimming in the sea when it's freezing cold, or wild camping, which is just basically camping, there's been any number of crazes that started in COVID and have really caught on. One of them is roof tenting. Now, I watched a video, Sinead Collins, on your Instagram this morning, Roof Tent Adventures Ireland, of someone unfolding a roof tent at the top of a Range Rover. I'm assuming that's not your Range Rover. If it is, great. But it looks like an awful complicated thing. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Great. It it looks like a fierce, complicated structure altogether. Do you know what? It isn't. We get asked about it a lot, but it genuinely, we have it down to probably five minutes in good weather and under 10 if it's if it's dodgy weather, to have it fully up, everything ready to go. So this is a tent that is effectively attached to the roof of your car and folds out from it and you use a ladder yeah. to go up into it. Yes. So the Range Rover is not mine. It is my partner's, even though I wish it was mine. Um, And I suppose the misconception is that you need a big car for it. Like if you've seen anyone around the place, you know, they're on top of Ford Focuses, they're on top of estates, they're on top of, you know, many different types of cars. It's just the higher cars, um, like a Range Rover, any type of Jeep means you can have um, what's called an annex. So it's like an added living room. Because they're nice and high, you can have like an actual living room you can stand in, walk around. We bring the kids, uh, my partner's kids, and they have bunk beds that go inside the annex. So the height is great, but the the roof tent itself, with or without the annex, um, attaches to roof racks uh, very, very securely. (laughs) And then you literally uh, hop up on one of the wheels of the car, pull out the ladder, and um, put one pole in, and that's it. Really? Now... What's the advantage of them over a tent that you would put out on the ground, on good solid ground? Well, good solid ground, I suppose you just said it there. (laughs) Unfortunately, half of Ireland is, of course, a bog. So um, we don't have to we don't have to worry about rain or, you know, the rules of not being allowed camp or worrying about being in someone's field or, you know, things like that. So we do wild camp um, often ourselves. We have a different tent for that um, in all weather, like all, obviously not gale force winds, but all weather um, other than that. And um, we were in Donegal there during COVID and we decided we'd go for a whole week and just camp around. And we found it so impossible to one, find somewhere that you weren't going to sink into to up in Donegal they're really against camping in a lot of places so we mm-hmm. found actually we ended up having to check into a hotel last minute because there was literally nowhere that we could set up yeah, I remember being um, there and we just, and people saying, no, no sign of camping You signs up no camping no camping no camping yeah. said, oh, okay great <laughs> yeah it's getting it's actually getting worse because with COVID I suppose more, more people took it up so they're like no camping no camping you know but with the roof tent it just folds out anywhere obviously where it's safe to do so and legal to do so but just folds out anywhere it doesn't have to be on hard ground if you have a good car like um, a Range Rover or anything that can go off road you've access to a little bit more places than you would um you know a camper van you're really restricted with the size of it and its wheels and stuff whereas we can kind of go where we want and it's you're just not restricted a little bit of um flat ground and you are just away with it are you 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 sleeping on the roof of the car Sinead or or is there a base 
you're sleeping on a base. So it's this metal base with a memory foam mattress on top. Right. Um, we went we went for one that would actually fit three people. Um, so it's very spacious for two. Very, very, and it's very high, so you can properly sit up and kneel up and everything. It's lovely, and um, because anyone who camps normally will know, as soon as there's bad weather and you're in a tent, you're really, really, you know, cramped height-wise, especially. Mm. So it's really easy for getting changed and things like that. So you're on a metal base with a um, memory foam mattress on top, and then you have your sleeping bag. So it's it's an extremely good night's sleep, I and mean, we have actually slept by having to get up and go down the ladder to go right. to the toilet uh, for about 13 hours straight, Crikey. many a night. And is there any yeah. danger at all? This is me now thinking like someone uh, half simple here. <laughs> There's no danger at all that you'll roll off the side and, and out from the, you know, the way there, were the, there isn't a flap at the side of the tent that's not going to roll out onto the floor. No, it, it's all these um, poles that you put these um, elastic strings or hooks inside and when you're folding the tent up, they fold in and when you fold the tent out, they fold up. So it's a metal structure, you know, it's an aluminium uh, structure. Yeah. Um, Now we didn't go for the hardtop. I'm sure people listening will have seen, you know, the ones that kind of pop up or go at an angle, like a triangle where Mm -hmm. they're the hard shell. They're just a lot smaller. You know, we wanted space because we knew we'd use it a lot and we also know the Irish weather is you know, not great. So we didn't want to be cramped. So we got one that was nice and big um, for us. And yeah, no, it's really, really secure. We did on our second night ever have a bit of an incident with what was supposed to be a gentle breeze became a yellow wind yeah. warning, uh, orange you orange wind warning. And we car, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We parked kind of the wrong direction and we ended up literally what you're saying was um, a sail on the car and we were packing up at four in the morning in the middle of a storm. <laughs> but we learned. One advantage <laughs> I could see here to this is that because you've got a car under you, which obviously has a battery in it, and as long as you don't run down the battery, you can power lights, I suppose, and you can have chargers and all your, well, half a dozen of your mod cons anyway, you can bring into this tent and power them off the car. <laughs> Yeah, so we try to do it as, you know, as kind of wholesome as possible. We do have our phones. We don't spend much time on our phones. Um, we, you know, we play a lot of games of cards and stuff, but of course you'll need lights. So we have, um, we just have um, battery packs that we charge up before we ever leave. And then they kind of charge our lights. And other than that, I mean, you know, my partner has worked from the roof end from time to time, you know, getting work done. So we need, we need a bit of charge on that. But other than that, it's very much you're out in the wilderness. We don't need stuff except lights. So you have the car there, which is brilliant, brilliant. And you're anchored to the ground, which is also brilliant. But, is, yeah. I mean, are they really expensive? Interestingly, they can be right. So we, um, my partner's actually from Australia and, uh, you know, he'd be used to kind of better weather and, and things like that. And he was looking at roof tents and they were coming in maybe, I think they were going to be maybe three, about 3000 euro or something like that. And I just felt like with Irish weather, it ruins everything. And I just thought, even if you invest in an expensive one, it may not last the course anyway, you know, bolts rust, you know, zips break, things like that um, with, you know, salt air and things. So we went for actually a very cheap alternative and um, they're called uh, Ventura roof tent. Now for anyone who is listening, I didn't find dealing with them great, but the tent itself is brilliant. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So with that, we got like our ladder, which you'll see around the place. Um, 
most ladders aren't covered, whereas we have a ladder that's covered. So even if it's raining, we have to go down the ladder to the car or, you know, whatever we need, we're not getting wet. Uh, we have the annex, we have room for the kids, we have room for, you know, yeah, it's, so it was about, I would say you could get one now anywhere between a thousand and two thousand euro, but I have seen them for upwards of four thousand yeah. euro. And you put them on top of, I know the Range Rover is the Range Rover, but, and it's not yours, yeah. it's your partner's, but you put them on top of, for argument's sake, would you stick one on top of a Ford Fiesta or would you stick one on top of a, a Ford Focus or a Volkswagen Golf or some one of those things? Yes. Like w- once you have really good quality um, roof racks, you're away with it. You do not need anything else like that. Though, um, you just have a shorter ladder um, and that's it. Like it doesn't matter the car you have once it has really good quality roof racks. That's about it. And it weighs about 50 kilos to kind of put on top of the car. Um, but other than that, like it's really easy to put on, really easy to use. Um, you know, there are pegs and things like that provided. We've learned over time, we've, um, you know, used insulation, you know, like you use on pipes in the winter yeah, yeah, for, yeah. yeah. So we bought those for the the poles inside so we can use it like we were camping, you know, New Year's Day and things like that. Like we use it all year round. Um, we, we've just kind of discovered a few things that make it easier, like better pegs. We, we have sand pegs for, for on the beach and we've, cool. you know. Cool. So there's little extra things that you need, you it's know. A, it's a big adventure. And like you say, the Irish weather is not your friend, so you've got to work with it as best you can. Roof Tent Adventures yeah. Ireland is the Instagram, Sinead. Good luck with it. I know it's a, a new business and a new Instagram, uh, but it's fun. It looks like a lot of fun. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. I love karaoke. Do you know what karaoke means? It's Japanese for empty orchestra. Empty orchestra. Yeah. I love karaoke. What did you do? I did. I'm too sexy by right, said Fred. Of course you did. There's two ways you can get me to go to something. Yeah. All right? Karaoke. Free jam bombs. quiz night. Okay. I'll go to a quiz night as well. What about a quiz yoki? You have to I... sing the answers. Oh my God almighty. What have we just invented? Oh my God. <laughs> Cambodia. <laughs> <laughs> two packs for stab. 1960 rising. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city find your next car online at noeldc.com open 24-7 the lines are live and we're ready to talk can we just talk call 0818 96 96 96 text or whatsapp 083 396 96 96 email opinion at 96fm.ie the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 96 the number to call. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. That's the best way to contact us if you're doing so out of hours. I'll explain more about that in a little while. But right now I have a crowded studio, uh, a number of guests in to talk to me. I get my, all these mics on. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Oh, that is a big crowd. All right. I'm joined by very happy people from Terence McSweeney College. They have won four Sustainable Development Goals Awards for the Food Fund. And I'm joined here around the desk in Studio One by Corey McCarthy, Shane Dwyer, Shane O'Reilly and Dylan Pilo. And Shane Dwyer, to you first, tell me what you've won and what the Food Fund is all about. Welcome to you all. Thanks. Um, 
Well, the food fund basically is um, we collect our unused food from um, from the lunches that we get because we're a desk school, right. and then we give those to a uh, you know penny dinners, <clears throat> which is a, a local charity in Cork that you know I think a lot of people know about. It's a uh, very famous and it's helped a lot of people. Yeah, and then um, we were nominated for a lot of awards uh, for Nifty, uh, for Sage, which is a global entrepreneurship. And we won a four to seventeen uh, sustainable development uh, development goal. Say, brilliant, Corey. What? Where did the idea come from for this? We actually came up with the idea as a group in one of our classes, and uh, it just went a lot further than we thought it would. And we just seen all this food that was being wasted every day, and we decided to do something about it. You know, and this is stuff coming in in your own lunch, your own lunches, and your own. What was it like to work on it? Um, Dylan, you take this one. What was it like to work on it? What it was like to work on it was that it was very good for us and we thought it would have been a great project when we, were start, when we had thoughts about it and we just thought it would have been very good instead of put, wasting the food and throwing it into landfill that we could um, we can just like help people around when they were hungry. Shane O'Reilly, would you think it's something every school could do? Lean in there and share Shane's, little Shane's mic. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, we help out the homeless people and a, lot, a majority of the schools do get the lunches, so I don't see why they wouldn't get involved in it. Yeah. So, was it always the plan, um, Shane O'Reilly, was it always the plan to put it forward for something? Um, yeah, I think from the start, you know, we got through our local primary schools as well to give us their leftovers. So we have like sandwiches and stuff coming as well. But I don't think we, from the start, knew that it would go to where we'd be representing Ireland in the awards, winning silver and YSI. You know, we were just thinking, how could we help people? We didn't think it would like explode. Yeah, and, and explode is the word. Like it's gone, it's gone international. This simple idea of school, Corey, it's gone international. That's kind of weird. Yeah, uh, has I, I, I never thought... It would get anywhere close to this. I never thought it'd be in a studio. Never mind international <laughs> competitions, you know. <laughs> really wasn't expecting. How did you react to it when it started to go a bit mad, lads? Uh, well, first it was people talking in the local area while we were doing it. And then it was interviews, and then it was presentations. And here we are. I just really didn't expect it to blow up like it did. Like, what age are you all, guys? You're I'm 16. 16. 16. 16. I'm 17. 17 and? 16. And 16. So you're all, you're all really young lads, and this was just a simple idea. So then you have to go back to school with all the awards. Like, that's... I know. It was... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I can, I can all throw here. I know, I know, yeah. Go on, Corey, yeah. go on. We had, to, we had to kind of split most of the awards between us, but the things that couldn't be split, like trophies, were just kept in the school. Right, right. Because you were up against... A lot of other countries, Shane. Yeah, we were up against uh, China, India. I think there was a, a group from Nigeria as well. Just right. A lot of different places dealing with food as well, you know. Well, this is like a fella from, you know, like a fella from St. Nick saying, ah, yeah, we beat the bars, we beat the... Like, is it international? And, you, and were they all the same age as you guys? I think so, but, like... I don't think it's really set in for me yet that it's been so. international, you know? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, when you saw the competition, Shane, what did did you think you had any chance? I mean, I don't think... Uh, I mean, I thought we did. But considering how many countries there were, 
you know, you think out of 17, to win four is, you know, it's amazing. And to even win one was astounding, like. Yeah. But, um, no, I just think against how many countries, I don't think we could have. But I, I think it's amazing that we did. Yeah, yeah. Shane already, why do you think it did so well? Just the fact that people see that we're helping people who really need it. I think they knew, you know, how much of an impact it made on them. Yeah, I think there's such a simple idea, and and I think that's the, that's the beauty of it. So, Faroga, um, John is here from Faroga. What's Faroga's involvement, Shane? Well, uh, John O'Manny here behind me. He's been a wonderful help in you know organising it, and uh, with like the presentations, especially helping us like get managed for it, not be nervous and all that. Mm. I don't think there's too many nerves here. You're all old pros at this stage. Frog is a great organisation. Now, you also won a, a coaching session. Corey, tell me about that. Well, the coaching session is up in Dublin, I believe, and it's just to help us become better at public speaking in general. And I think it's just to make you better at managing people as well. Right, right. Would you hope to travel with this? Yeah, I would. It'd be, it'd be nice to see somewhere other than this rainy place. You know? <laughs> yeah, it would, wouldn't it? I mean, talking about places like China and India, I mean, the great opp- you'd love an opportunity to travel as a result of this. Like, this this could be a business for you guys. You know? It could, it could. But uh, I don't really think it will be, but it'll, it'll definitely something to put down the CV, you know? It'll yeah. give you a a foot in the door anywhere in the world yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Eva your teacher over there going yeah he's got his he's got his act together <laughs> all, you're all great lads Is it, Dylan you're out there on the end lift that microphone up if, if you need to like what this this has been a, a very special experience for you and your mates here isn't it yeah it's been very special I, I, we didn't expect to go as far as we have became at all because when we were when we were developing uh, the food fund we we were like we didn't think it was going to be national national awards winning uh, when we were doing it so we just didn't expect it at all yeah yeah would you, Shane O'Reilly would you like to be in business would you like to have a business of your own uh, yeah just get a bit of extra money you know <laughs> uh, but yeah I'd like to be in a business of my own yeah do you think that working on something like this Shane prepares you in any way for what might be out there do you do you think that you learned a bit about work and work environment well uh, definitely because uh, your organisation skills you know are improved greatly because mm. um, we were doing this every day for since like October mm. so we're always there in time uh, our efficient, efficiency from the start uh, has gotten a lot faster because before it used to take us like an hour to yeah. sort out all the food yeah. and don't uh, get it ready for it to be collected. Now it takes us barely 20 minutes. Yeah. So we've gotten a lot faster. Our communication skills uh, between each other have gotten a lot better for uh, all our roles. Yeah. Like, describe to me, Corey, a typical day of the food fund. Like, what, what, has, to be, what has to be done? Well, first off, about the, the second break in day in school, we would go down and collect all the unused food from the primary schools. We would kind of split up into teams of two, maybe one team of three or something. And we would go down and just collect the food. And it was a lot more difficult at the start because 
they didn't really take it seriously, but then when they seen that we were actually coming down and actually doing it, they started having it ready for us right. every day. Right. And you pack it up then? Yeah. You take it back up to our own school and uh, just count the numbers. And um, we have a driver, a volunteer driver who comes up from Penny Dinners and... Uh, we count the food, separate them by like sandwiches and fruit in one and like hot food in the other. And we just throw them into the back of the, the van. Very and good. Drops them down. And how many meals have you prepared? Have you any idea, Shane? Um, we've donated 7,500 meals. What? Um, we've donated 4,000 sandwiches and uh, some fruit and like breadsticks and crackers as well. Right. And this goes on every day? Every day, yeah. yeah. It's part of your school. And is it still just the four of you, or are there other people volunteering to be part of it now? There is five of us, but he couldn't make it today. He's okay. in, in Dublin. All right. Enjoying, meeting, enjoying a nice little concert for himself. Ah, very good. Oh, he was he at the fella in the Crow yeah, Park class? Was, I see, was. I see. I thought he was at a business meeting or something. You should have said trust a business meeting. Some... Trust me, he'd be getting a word from me about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's the, who's the boss here? Yeah, who's the... I feel like it's Corey. Yeah, I feel like it's Corey too. Why do you feel like it's me? Because I, I think it's just, there's no one really above anyone else. Yeah. Once we kind of got our jobs, we just do them. Yeah. We don't need to be told by someone above us. It's just we split into the teams that yeah. we had since a year ago, and we just do it. You know, yeah. there's there's no need for... Because this sounds like something us. that could... I don't know Penny Dinners is local, but there are many charities like it up and down the country. Like, I, this sounds so easily like something that could go national, that every DASH school in the country could be doing it. What would you think, Shane? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because um, schools up and down the country, Joe, you know, they have charities like Penny Dinners that they could go donate to. Yeah. And I feel like somebody just needs to like take the initiative in one of these other schools and start something like this in like Dublin or Galway mm. or wherever. Yeah, well, you've, you've, you've taken the initiative. I mean, I think there's enough here. I know Eva is going to go, oh, God, they've still got an education to do. But I think these presentations could be done up and down the country. Hmm? They developed an app. Which they oh, yeah. Tell me about the app. Uh, it's only really in the prototype stage at the moment. It's kind of only halfway done. But uh, in general, it's just a way to keep track of all the food that's being donated. Right across the country because we're predicting that it's going to at least go national mm. and instead of multiple phone calls multiple emails trying to get the numbers together right. if you all just have one app to go to it's a lot more simple you know I have got a funny feeling that if I'm old enough and God I'm old as it is right mm. but if I live long enough you are going to be you you in particular and the rest of you behind him you're all going to be running Global international industries, or else you'll be in the doll. <laughs> I'll be even higher than that. <laughs> See, out in the Oris, is that it? Mm. <laughs> no, lads, it's, it's it's absolutely fantastic, and your enthusiasm. Like who, like Shane, who developed the app? Did you come up with the idea? Did you co I mean, who codes it? And who's uh, well, yeah, we brainstormed it in, brainstormed it in class. You know, getting all the designs. Uh, we used our school's colours, uh, and we tried to make it as simple. Yeah. Uh, to use, and yeah. then we had a uh, somebody come in from Apple to to teach us how to like start code coding, it. right? Yeah, and how to like lay it out and do all that. Right. So you're coding your own app as well. 
You're very, you're too, you're too modest, lads. Dylan, what's your, your favourite part of it all? My favourite part was is when um, it was really at the start when we acted, all, had to get it all together and we teamwork. Yeah. When teamwork was my favourite part, to be fair. Yeah. It was like we all didn't really know each other properly, but then when we started with the food fund, we all became just closer and it was easier for us to get to know each other more. Right. Well, I think we're going to be hearing an awful lot more of you guys. And what's the other, what's the absentee's name? Calvin Lauder. Calvin, Calvin. Well, so Calvin and Corey and Shane and Shane and Dylan, I think we're going to be hearing an awful lot more of you guys. The Food Fund winning all around it internationally and starting right here. And you know what? I say this without fear of being contradicted. If there was anywhere for it to start, I'm not remotely surprised it started up in that brilliant school, Townsend Street College. Lads, thanks for being with me today. And I'm looking out for you guys leading global companies because you're all you've all got what it takes you've all got what it is congratulations fellas thank you thanks, thanks. thanks to John and Eva The Cork Diary on Cork's 96 FM Castellac FC will be hosting an evening with Republic of Ireland soccer legends on Saturday the 17th of September join Ray Houghton Tony Cascarino Mark Kinsella Caroline Thorpe and many more for an evening of games and family fun there will also be a Q&A session with the stars from 9pm it's a ticketed event and over 18s only more information can be found on Castellac FC Facebook page if you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering, now seeking foster carers from a diverse range of backgrounds in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96FM. I think we've just seen a glimpse of Cork's future there, the, those lads, and they're, they're great. They're great. Um, Calvin is the missing one who was at Garth Brooks last night and had to explain himself to his boss, Corey, and the two Shanes and Dylan and to John from Feroiga and Eva from Terence Springs. I think we've seen a glimpse of the future here. I know a lot of parents must be delighted with them as well because do you know where the child's lunch comes home in the bag every day? Like, here's one way to make sure that it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> 0818 96 96 96. Now you always hear me talking about the Eurovision every May and look, it'll be the same next year. I, I don't know where it's going to be. There's talk that it could be either Birmingham <coughs> or Glasgow or Manchester, which would seem to be the, the logical favourite. But anyway, that's I could spend all day talking about that. But the search for Ireland's entry for the 2022 Junior Eurovision is now on. Yes, there is such a thing, and we're quite good at it. Louise Cantillon is the presenter of Junior Eurovision, which is carried, I think, Louise, on TG Carr from the 18th of September. Morning. Morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on your show. Delighted. Junior Eurovision, there's huge interest in it. It's been around for a while. Tell me a bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. So Junior Eurovision, exactly what you've said, it has all the same excitement and hype that you'd imagine goes along with Senior Eurovision. The only difference is um, is that our representative for Ireland, who will be selected over the coming weeks on TG Cahir, in a live television show will be aged between 9 to 14 years old. So the chosen singer then goes on, like you would in senior Eurovision, to sing in front of millions on the Eurovision, in, on the Eurovision stage. And uh, for the junior Eurovision side of things this year, that's going to happen in Armenia, which is really cool. Destination. And wow. Armenia, December, yeah. So our winner last year was a girl called Melania. She won in Paris. 
and uh, obviously her home country Armina will be hosting it this year so um, it's an amazing opportunity PJ and more than anything it's a real source of pride for Irish people because there is one small clause and that is that the winner goes on and represents Ireland and sings Os Gaelge in the Irish language so it's even that little bit oh. more special again for Irish people I see, because singing in <coughs> native or traditional tongues is kind of gone from Eurovision now. Pretty much every, everyone sings in English, but we'll be going to sing in Irish. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, there has historically always been that pride and it's an opportunity for countries with, you know, maybe minority languages to get onto a massive global stage and uh, to sing in their native tongue. So there's a lot of pride that comes with that as well, I think, PJ. So have you got finalists set up over the next few weeks. How's, what's the format of the show? Okay, so the format of the show is that we have got 20, 22 young singers uh, across the next six weeks they'll be taking to the stage. I mentioned their age between 9 and 14, so there's a great mix between girls and boys and just amazing talent as well. So they'll be whittled down and uh, the final two weeks will be a semi-final and then a final. Uh, the final will have three singers, whoever it is will make it through to that stage and uh, for the first time ever, the public and the people of Ireland will have the vote and they'll decide who we'll uh, send to Armenia this December. Oh, so brilliant. it's going to be a live public vote Yeah, on uh, on our final week of the show, which is, I'm going to try to tot it up now, in six weeks' time, it starts this Sunday, so six weeks from Sunday, we'll have our live final. Excellent. And you've got some guest judges and big names in there. Yeah, absolutely. I should mention this. So uh, I'm actually co-hosting the show this year with a Cork man. I better say that while I'm on a Cork okay. radio. Uh, Dara O'Keeve is from Kenturk. Uh, he's going to be my co-host. And then joining us each week will be Niamh Nichronin and from from TG Cahar, Kula Cahar, and Chris Green, uh, who is formerly 2FM radio DJ as well. And then, yeah, you mentioned it. We've got some Eurovision royalty each week uh, across the six-week period. We'll have a guest judge who has represented Ireland in the Eurovision. Some really big names in there you'll have seen on the television ads so far Linda Martin is with us and you have Kavanagh as actually our first guest and uh, most recently then we had Brooke who represented Ireland last year you'll remember Brooke she was yeah. so vivacious brilliant yeah. and young full of energy so uh, she also joins us as well um, and a few other names but I don't want to give it all away okay and, and how many how many songs go through to the final to the public vote so there'll be three contestants in the final and they'll both sing twice. They sing a pop song, Ask Gaelga, and then they sing, which I think is the most special part of the whole series, they sing a former Eurovision Irish entry song as well. And uh, that's really special. Oh, fabulous. And the song that they'll sing in Junior Eurovision then, is that how is that chosen? Yeah, so this is actually a very special part and something that I'm not allowed to say too much about yet, but it will depend on who the winner is. There'll be a song specially written for that person and uh, obviously it will be unique to them and to their voice and the type of musician or singer that they are. And uh, as I mentioned, it will be Oscoilga and written by an incredible team of people as well who have lots of experience writing for Eurovision. So that's a, a, that's a really special part, I think, of winning this opportunity fabulous. if you are one of the young contestants. This is, this is fabulous. It starts Sunday on TG Cahar, the 18th September. I look forward to watching it and, and particularly to the final. Uh, Louise Cantillon is one of the presenters of Junior Eurovision on TG Cahar, starting on 18th September, running up into the end of October. October. That's great. And the contest is going to be in Armenia this year. We're looking forward to that, so I am. 0818969696. Oh, um, Mary. Mary, your daughter Hi. was involved. Hi, PJ. How are you? Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, my daughter done it there in 2017. 
Right. And uh, she sang Hudson Taylor okay. song, and she got down to the final eight in it, the semi into the, the, the semi final, like you know, and it was just a fantastic experience. It sounds it. It sounds it. And it, she sang that Hudson Taylor song in Irish, right? Eh? She did. I have. Do you want me to play it there? I've, I've a bit of it there. Do you want me to play it for you? Uh, we're, we're, on a phone or something? Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Go on, lash it in there, sing. Lash it. All right, one second there now. We'll see how this works. This might not work at all, but we'll see how it goes. Because you. you nice one. Nice one. You get to the, we, we, that's, the, the, that's, sounds a bit off, but yeah, Mary, that's desperate. Mary, that's great. That's fantastic. That's brilliant. Well done, well done. And she's going on, I suppose, into a musical career now. She's playing music, more music. She is. She's, she's belonged to Cardiff Performing Arts as well. All right, okay. And uh, she just loved singing, and it was just a fantastic experience from start to finish there, like. Fantastic, fantastic. Listen, Mary, thanks, and Katie Healy, uh, your daughter. Um, the Hudson Taylor song in Irish. The sound wasn't the best, but we get the gist. Well done. 0818 96 96 96. Here's a comment that's come in on law and order, and I want you to think about it. I'm reading here about a man sentenced to four years for... €180,000 worth of drugs where the maximum sentence is 10 years. Also, a female stole 26 bottles of drink and got a suspended sentence. It took 12 months to get her sentenced. Tell me, PJ, do you think this is deterrent and wouldn't be better off sentencing if it if it took place quickly, close to the offence, to reinforce the cause and effect? Oh, you're right about that. For sure you're right about that. I spent enough years in the courts looking at lists of stuff that was done or allegedly done months and months and months ago before the alleged perpetrator comes before the court. That's just a very, very slow system that we have. Thank you. 0818 We were watching the coverage over the weekend of the of the Queen and the pomp and ceremony which I was watching on Saturday, up Saturday morning Just I was curious to know about this proclamation and this handing over of power to, to Charles and, and all of that, I was just curious uh, so I got up and I turned on the BBC and the pomp and the ceremony was just incredible, I mean there's, you say what you like about the, the royal family, I think I tweeted this at the weekend, like say what you like about the royal family and people will, and that's kind of not the purpose of the discussion but by God, the British do pomp and ceremony like nobody else. Like absolutely nobody else. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Dara Birmingham, I remember you and I covering uh, political accounts together and and hard nosed <laughs> hacking events. And here you've gone and written a most gorgeous or co-written a gorgeous children's book. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on Darren Birmingham, formerly from the Echo uh, Barber Bear Extraordinaire it's lovely, tell yeah. me about it yeah thanks for having me on now, um, yeah I remember uh, covering some, some fairly heated political stuff with you as well yeah, um, yeah this is a bit of a, a change of direction at the moment um, basically uh, it all came about 
towards the end of 2019, um, my girlfriend Kiva, who co-wrote the book with me, um, was working with children uh, with additional needs in Cork. And basically the, the subject of getting their hair cut was kind of a big one. Some of them didn't like it for various different reasons. Mm. It was like dissertation and stuff like that as well. And um, we just kind of came up with the idea of a fun way of kind of starting a conversation around it to kind of, you know, help kids uh, maybe see it as a fun thing rather than, you know, a chore and stuff like that. I mean, and like like a lot of kids out there really don't like it in their haircuts just for various reasons. So it's just to kind of start a conversation about that. And we, we thought about a fun way of doing it might be with a bear, uh, a barber bear. So yeah, that kind of all came about from there, really. Who invented the character? Um, I'll have to give uh, credit to Kiva for that, my girlfriend. Um, she just kind of came up with it one day that we'd have um, a young child out camping in the woods with his family and ended up running into a barber bear extraordinaire. And it's just the rhyming helped really. The fact that it all rhymed was, you know, just an added bonus really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we said, let's go with a a rhyming team really just to keep it (laughs) easy, you know. And you, you have Blair, the little boy in the book. He likes his hair done a particular way and doesn't want anybody else to do it and doesn't want it done any way differently. That's, as I'm sure Kiva has told you, that's very common in kids, particularly, say, autistic kids. They, 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 they're very definitely. particular about it. Yeah. yeah, definitely, yeah. That's where it all really stemmed from. We just kind of wanted to start that conversation and allow kind of families and, and, and teachers even as well to kind of read it to kids and, you know, try and get the conversation started around getting their hair cut and make it a fun thing rather than seeing it as something, you know, daunting or, or, or kind of unpleasant. Yeah, yeah, and it's a little picture story book and... Uh, what's where, where? Where is it available? Where can we get it? Uh, it's available at, um, online at the moment. Uh, we're hoping to kind of get it into bookstores um, in Cork and around around places as well um, soon. So, but at the moment, it's available online at austinmacaulay.com uh, the book depository and Waterstones as well. So you can just go online and order it, and it'll be delivered. Yeah, and the front, uh, straight to your door. The front really. page of it is lovely, actually. Front page of it is really. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, we're delighted on how it turned out now. Yeah, in sense like, it's, uh, the front page of it is like me with my lockdown here. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say a lot of people are looking like that now over the last two years. Yeah. All right, Dara. Listen, good good luck with it to yourself and and Kiva Kiva Salmon and Dara Birmingham Barber Bear Extraordinaire about a little boy called Blair who doesn't like getting his hair cut until he meets a bear. We'll do it for him. Anyone have pictures of their hair in lockdown? I remember, and I keep my hair very short, as anybody knows around me. I have done for years. So during the and I go to the barber sort of what religiously anyway every two weeks. Uh, anyone have a story uh, of your hair in lockdown? I I, I bought a razor myself because it was either that or borrowed the daughter's dog grooming kit. But no, anyone got a story about hair in lockdown? Because we were going to pull it ourselves. Remember that? Remember that the barbers were closed for weeks and weeks on end, and it was like their hair was going in all different directions. And oh, and for I couldn't, couldn't. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't. What did you do to Charlie's hair? Put on that headset. Yeah, so 
So, um, poor Charlie's hair was, he has beautiful hair and uh, it was growing really, really long and I decided to cut it and I had had an incident before where I cut his fringe really, really short and it was desperate looking so I said this time around I would get a razor. I borrowed it off a friend and they had said to me to take the cover off it and try and feather the fringe and this is how they do it in barbershop. So I started to try and do that and cut a big lump off the off one side so I had to try and even it up on the other side. So it ended up all crooked and uneven and uh, really, really short again. And then when I went to do the sides, I forgot to put the cover back on the razor and I shaved a big lump out of the side of his hair. The poor, <laughs> child, the poor child would have done better if he just hung his head over a fence and let a goat at him. I know, he said never again. <laughs> never let me go near his hair again. So thankfully we were in lockdown and nobody got to see it. But uh, oh my God, it was desperate, the poor child. Well, we had something similar. I bought a, a razor and a, one of these proper electronic hairdressing razors. I, I was so desperate, I actually bought one that was brand, a Manchester United branded one. It was the last left in the <laughs> shop, you know. A fabulous joke with all the blades and all the numbers and the whole thing. And of course, you see, my daughter, Gemma, being able to groom dogs, I figured, well, she could probably groom me as well. So, so, <laughs> so you know, so, so she came over and she did mine and that's grand. And it was fine. It was grand. She did a little too. And then, of course, himself wanted a haircut. James wanted a haircut, so he's had up on the kitchen chair and she'd forgotten to put a blade on. Oh, no. As in to put a, a, a number on. So he went around with a landing strip <laughs> for about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Poor James. I know, I know. Now he didn't. She trimmed down on the two sides. It didn't look quite so bad. But yeah, there was a lot of people like that. I think hair was much hair was ruined during the course of lockdown. But that that book kind of inspired by it all. Barber Bear Extraordinaire. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96, 96, 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Actually, just there referring to the coverage of Queen Elizabeth. I was actually glued to the BBC all weekend, just watching the, the pomp and ceremony and all that kind of thing. John was ringing us up. We might talk to him maybe tomorrow or later in the week about the coverage. He says there's far too much coverage in, in the media. Um, I, it is fairly wall to wall. It really is pretty wall to wall. Not on the radio stations in the UK aren't even playing any ads, none, and they've done away with what they call the imaging, like you know the the jingles. They've done away with that and they replaced them with kind of somber sounding jingles. It's all very, very, very um, blanket in the UK. The coverage. Um, you don't have to watch it if you don't want to. I quite enjoyed watching some of it. And the BBC have put on loads and loads of documentaries. They've clearly been preparing documentaries for years. And they were running a few of them over the weekend. I watched one. You'll see it again. It's where they got access to the Royal Home Movies. And they put together a a portrait of the life of the Queen through the home movies. It was just a very enjoyable watch, I have to say. Some people might disagree with me. That's fine. 0818 96 96 96. Now, they're filming at the moment. So I hope, Louise Duffy, that I haven't taken time out of your busy schedule. The Ballycotton (laughs) Sea Sessions. You're filming them again. And there's a great lineup. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Great all together. Second season. Good. 
second season. It's so exciting to be back here for another season. Um, you know, it, it, we just kind of started last year and just said, let's see how it goes. Um, we started with, you know, just a very vague concept of, okay, well, Ballycotton's so beautiful um, and there's great Irish music. So let's put them together in this perfect location of Sea Church and see what happens. Um, you know, so it, it just worked out really well and we, we all enjoyed it so much. So we are back for another season and have a great lineup. So it's just starting in about an hour to film and uh, yeah it's, it's brilliant it's lovely to be back here Sea yeah. Church is a beautiful beautiful venue and they've been attracting a lot of big names down there over the last few weeks yeah. and months you've got the Water Boys and you've got Hermitage uh-huh. Green and you've got Jerry Fish yeah so there's some like there's some very big names coming like you say um you know and then there's a lot of new irish music i think irish music is in, in a really strong state at the moment mm. um and the stuff that's coming out like i mean we've got mom the rebels later on and that's this beautiful fusion of traditional music and gospel music and i mean it just lifts your spirit when you hear it so um and the likes of shiva and another brilliant performer called Moncrief. so these really strong up-and-coming names and then you put them in this this location like you say sea church is really special it's just very ethereal and obviously it's small so the shows i mean we you know on a, on a good show i think we fit maybe about 25 people in there that's really special and i think it just brings out something heavenly can i say can i be corny and say something heavenly out of the performers you know yeah. so it is lovely and i'm really excited to see what the next couple of days will bring in Ballycotton. yeah and i bring in a big professional television setup into a venue like that it cuts down on the, yeah. on the number of seats but uh, there are tickets available aren't there there is and in fact I think if somebody you know like if, if there's anybody listening I, I do believe there's a couple of tickets left for the Hermitage Green show this afternoon well late afternoon so five to six so if you wanted to get in your car uh, head on to Sea uh, Church anyway and I think there might there was a couple left last night but um, and then check out the weekly lineup I think there are a couple here and there because it's weekday you know it's um and it, you know it, it's very kind of it, it's still quite new there, there's still a few left there and it's definitely worth getting to see because it's just special and you're right in front of them I mean you are in spitting distance of the singer no matter where you are in Sea Church so it's great. Yeah and that seems to be its big attraction as a venue that you are no matter, even if you get the last seat in the house it's so intimate yeah. and so close you yeah. know, it's, it's wonderful. So yeah. the, the format of the show is obviously the band performs and there's an interview as well there's an interview, yeah, so that's why I'm knocking around here. I'll um, get maybe a half an hour to sit down with um, the, the eight different performers and bands and, you know, the, sh- the, the the chat is very, well, last year it was kind of, you know, a, a kind of a coming back reunion, really, of sorts, because there hadn't been gigs in so long. Um, so this year is quite exciting to be able to talk about, you know, what's new for the bands and, you know, so we'll have we'll have a sit down and um, a chat about, uh, you know, their work and, and then really look into the music as well. I think that, you know, these bands put their heart and soul into the lyricism and the and the music of them. It is nice to get an opportunity to to talk about what the music means to them and you really see, you know, the passion come out of them when you ask them about their songs and their 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 albums and, and the hard work that they do. So so that that's what I'll be doing and then they'll be performing and as you said, a huge T V crew here. Mm. Um and we'll be kind of we'll be moving outside the church as well. We'll be weather permitting <laughs> hopping around the Bay of Cotton and maybe out in the boat if, if, if we're able to do so and around the lighthouse and things like that so it's just such a beautiful venue that it's important to get out there in, in the wide open too Well it certainly looks like the weather's going to improve, I don't know how it is 
down there today, but there'll be a major improvement yeah. in the weather in Ballycotton in the next couple of days. You might well get out on that water. And when will we get to see the new set, the new season, Louise? Uh, that that's to be confirmed. It was February last year, or February this year rather, season one. So I'm I'm expecting very early next year on on RTE two. So um, yeah, around February time we're we're hoping we we go to air again. So um, gives us plenty of time to get it all dicked up and ready ready for for the viewer. So um, it was a, a Tuesday night on RTE two last last year. So Excellent. or this year, excuse me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah we we. You lose you lose track of time in this business from time to time. Right? Yeah, a little bit, a lot, a lot. Recording <laughs> in one year and broadcasting in the other and editing and stuff. Louise, thanks. Good to talk to you on the opinion line. That's Louise Duffy, presenter of the Ballycotton Sea Sessions, filming uh, this week with the Water Boys and Heritage Green and Hudson Taylor, the Blizzards, Moncrief. Great line of Jerry Fish and interviewed by Louise. Jerry actually is a great interview. I've seen a few interviews over the years with Jerry Fish. He's a great interview. That's it for this Monday. The program edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow just after nine. Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Quartz 96 FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96fm.ie. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.